0: So, we're back in John today, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at John chapter 6, and just want to kind of recap a little bit, right? We've seen a couple different themes and a couple different phrases in the book of John over the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, I I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that um, John is known as a sign book, that there are different signs, seven main signs pointing to Eternal realities, right? There's a lot of miracles that we've already seen Jesus do, whether that be turning water to wine or, or feeding 5,000 or whatever it might be. We've seen him do some work and we've pointed to, we've, we've shown how they point to eternal and spiritual realities, that it's not just about feeding a big crowd of people, but it's pointing to he is the bread of life, right? We've seen the subtle ways that Jesus is showing his messianic rule, the ways that he has fulfilled everything that was shown in the Old Testament, that he is fulfilling the Old Testament in himself. And like I said, water to wine, right? We looked at that and how the Old Testament, right, those purification jars that he called them to draw the water out of, it's a picture of cleansing and purification. But Jesus then takes, takes it and turns it into water, excuse me, into wine, Symbolizing his blood, right? That purification would come from the cleansing blood that flowed at Calvary. And there's some different themes that we're seeing. There's a lot of talk about believing. John chapter 1, right? That those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the rights to be called what? Children of God. That they belong to him. Those who believe on his name talked at length how we have a faulty understanding of believing many times, right? It's not just a mental assent. It's not just believing that Jesus existed or even believing that he is God in, in some kind of mental capacity, but that there is a trust in and a rely on that we commit our life to him and all of my living of my life is committed to him. That one uh, phrase that I've brought up many times is uh, one of the definitions that i found about believing is that we would cast our life upon him. Our very existence, the beginning, the end, all of me is put at the feet of Jesus. When we truly believe, our lives are flipped upside down. We once lived for ourselves, for our own ambition, for our own will, but now we live for Christ and the glory of Christ. It is a free gift that comes by believing, by faith in him, but it's a free gift that costs us everything. Do you understand that? And it's not, It doesn't cost us everything in, as in like a payment sort of way, but in a worship sort of way. Please don't mistake me when I say it's a free gift that costs everything, that we have to earn it or pay for it ourselves by our good living or by whatever, but it costs us Our lives, because from the moment we meet Jesus, much like Paul did on the road of Damascus, our whole trajectory changes. Our whole purpose for living changes. No longer to me, my will, my selfish ambition, but now I live to the glory of Christ. Not as a payment, but as beautiful worship for what he has done for us. This is why beholding Christ is so important. This is why cherishing Jesus above all is so important. Because we won't truly believe, cast our life upon, trust in, rely on him, have a true faith in him, if we don't cherish Christ above everything or anything this world could offer us. It will just be religion. That's why it's so important for us to see him and behold him as that treasure that I'm going to sell everything for just so I can obtain it. He is the surpassing worth. Do you believe today? Is your life markedly different because of Christ's work? And one more time, I'm going to make the appeal. If your life is, have you declared it in the waters of baptism? Have you declared it's in the waters of baptism? If so, please. If you haven't, please sign up today. And let's walk into the water together and make that declaration that our life has been changed by Jesus. So let's read our text together. John chapter 6, last few verses. I want to recap a couple of them that we read a couple weeks ago. So we're going to start in verse 52 and we'll read all the way to the end of chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible, you want to turn, John 6, 52, it says this. Then the Jews... Uh, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Remember that? 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. And whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 60. those who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go his way as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Jesus says, You must eat of me. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Boy, that's weird. Boy, that's strange. Especially if you think of it as this is on the other side of the cross, right? And he says, You must eat of me. You must drink of me. You must partake of me fully and completely. Think of the phrase, you are what you eat, right? Some of us, that's chicken wings. Yeah! Yeah. Just a little inside here, there's a a group of us that go out and get chicken wings every so often, and so I had to say that, but some of us, right? Some of us, that's uh, a lot of... uh, Soy lattes or something like that, right? That what we eat becomes a part of us. What we ingest becomes part of us. If you want good health, it starts with good food, right? There's a whole movement right now, and it has been for years, right? Kind of pushing against some of our processed foods and the way that our foods are processed because of the stuff that we put in our bodies and the health problems or health benefits that come from the things we put in our bodies, We must partake fully of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to eternal life than Jesus. And there's some of us that we don't immerse ourselves in him. We don't fully, it is this punching a clock, playing church kind of thing that we're doing here. Instead of Casting ourselves upon him, our very lives upon him. That is what the true believing and true faith is all about. That he is the bread of life. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is that miracle bread. The sustenance of life, the food that creates life and life eternal. It's not for this life necessarily. It's not our ticket to a more comfortable life, right? Jesus says, you're following me. You look after me. You seek me because your bellies are full, because you ate of the bread. We challenge ourselves about our reasons for following Christ. That he is the only way, that he is the only truth. That he is the one who is the bread of life, and if we partake of him fully, we will live forever. We will have life forever. We will have peace forever. We will have joy forever. If we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. On the cross, Jesus gave his body. His flesh was broken his blood was poured out the lamb of god would be slain he would be sacrificed and he would take away our sins sin is the thing that separates us from god it's the thing that causes death both physical death but also the deepest darkest eternal spiritual death that we could ever ever imagine and jesus's work on the cross his flesh excuse me his flesh and his blood poured out covers sin, conquers death, because he is the bread of life. Church, in these unsettling times, and boy, it just seems like it's between COVID and politics and all the other stuff, and now Middle East and terrorism and all that stuff. In these unsettling times, we must eat fully of Christ and him alone. Verse 60 of our text it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it, right? And as I said, on that side of the cross, I could see how it would be kind of difficult for them to get it, for them to grasp it. If this guy just told us to eat his flesh and to drink his blood, what kind of crazy cult am I a part of, right? That's what you would think, right? But that Greek phrase there of hard saying, this is a hard saying, the word hard there, doesn't necessarily mean difficulty under, difficult to understand, but it means strong and harsh and rough. Okay, so these words that Jesus is saying, this is, these are harsh words. These are strong words. The word saying is actually logos. So it's the same as John chapter 1. In the beginning was the logos, was the word, and the word was with God. Right, so this phrase here, it's not just because they were having trouble understanding, but there was a punch to it, to their very lives. They had a hard time with Jesus' words. He had a hard, they had a hard time when he said that he was life, the bread of life. That salvation, and not just salvation from their circumstances, salvation not just from Roman oppression but a deeper salvation from the bonds of spiritual darkness and sin and death, that that type of salvation in life was found in him. And those were harsh words. Those were rough words to hear. It was in Jesus. It wasn't in themselves. It wasn't in any political movement. But it's in Jesus. One of the challenges to this last year, I think, is that the message of the church has been muddied in so many different ways. Whether it be um, politics, whether it be the appropriate COVID response, whether it be about social justice, whatever it might be, the the, the, the message of the church and the centrality of the message of the church has been muddied a bit because of all this different stuff going on. And Jesus is very clear that he is the bread of life, that he is life. It's not found in any political movement, whether that be from Rome or from what we're experiencing right now in in the United States or around the world for that matter. That he is life, that it's not found in, in just some social justice cause or anything like that, but it is found in him and that he truly is the answer to all the ailments of our society. politics, racial reconciliation, COVID response, social justice. We must not muddy the message of the gospel and salvation through Christ. It is central to us as the church to preach and to proclaim that salvation is in him and him alone, that it's not in ourselves. It's not in bettering ourselves. Life is in him and him alone, not in us. Eternal life to those who would believe those who would believe the bread of life and need of him and His words. They had a hard time with Jesus' words. And unfortunately, sometimes I have a hard time with Jesus' words as well. Anybody else? We too often have a hard time with Jesus' words. We have a hard time with applying the truth of Scripture to our own lives, to every corner of our lives. Our flesh fights it. It's sneaky. It doesn't want to bow to, submit to, incorporate, eat of Jesus into all of the corners of our lives. We resist. We go, oh, those are some harsh words. This is tough to understand. We're passive. We're oftentimes unresponsive. We're oftentimes dismissive of his words. We're careless with his words. We justify our own actions or our lack of action. Our flesh has a hard time submitting to Jesus' words. It's so much so that sometimes I I wonder if we're actually born again. Or that maybe we've gotten so good at quenching the Spirit of God right out of our lives. We're so passive and resistant and Stiff-arming, not obeying. See, unregenerate church people are in one of the most difficult places to be spiritually and thus eternally speaking. When I mean unregenerate church people, I mean something that we've talked about a little bit. I mean like playing church, going through the motions of religion but not really being transformed by the Spirit of God. We have the appearance of being alive. We have the appearance of being religious, yes, but not truly transformed and made new by the Spirit. We still operate in the flesh alone and we're fooling ourselves that we're okay. And you know what the clearest indication to whether someone is a true follower or not, you look at this text, you see that there were disciples and then there were disciples. There were people that were following Christ because their bellies were full and, and, and they were getting things from him. And then you had true followers who were truly believing and that they're casting their lives on Jesus. One of the deepest and most beautiful um, marks of a true follower is simply this, <laughs> obedience. Obedience pursuant obedience. Like actually desiring the will of God more than my will or anything else. Not going up to where I know this is the line and I know it's going to cost me this much and so I'm willing to obey to that point but if it costs me too much, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not going to lay it all out there for him. I'm not going to give it all up for him. I'm going to pick and choose The words that are palatable to me and that I will follow, but these other words, maybe they're just a little too harsh, a little too costly. A love for Christ and his word that is marked by a wholehearted obedience to his word, that's what I want for me and our church That we would cherish Christ and his word above all and that our lives would be marked by wholeheartedly obeying him. That I wouldn't read the words of Jesus or read the words of scripture and go, ah, these are some harsh words, and then walk away. Continue to live my life for me. But that I would read his word and love his word in such a way that I would go, Jesus, it's yours. No matter what the cost I will obey, that I would love it to that degree. Let's read our text again, John chapter 6, verse 60. It says, When many of his disciples had heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, they said to him, Do you take events to this? Well, what if we were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before Verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who would betray him. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Who gives life? Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gives life. We all know this. We all know this is because of the new nature. John chapter 3, right? You must be born again, born of the Spirit of God. So we're not supposed to be in the flesh any longer. We're not supposed to walk in the flesh any longer. We're supposed to walk and journey through this life by the Spirit of God. If you were born by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. New nature, new life a new reality extending into eternity. It's the way we are to live. It's the way we're supposed to do everything. It's the way that we're supposed to combat sin. And unfortunately, I gravitate so many times, I think we gravitate so many times to this self-will and determination that that's how we're going to beat sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 reminds us But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposite each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Jesus says, it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is what? No help at all. No help at all. But yet I tend to gravitate to self-will and self-determination. It's reminded of a text this week, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. A lot of times we read this passage and uh, we focus in on there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, right? We're no longer condemned by our sin because of Jesus Christ and his beautiful work. But if you keep reading, there's some beautiful talk about the spirit in the flesh. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. for those who live according to the f- uh, flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The flesh, your natural flesh, nature is no help at all. It is the Spirit who gives life. I know there seems to be some benefit to some self-discipline once in a while, right? Some accountability? Absolutely. But again, like I said before, I think we spend way too much time trying to combat sin by self-determination and practical means. Discipline is great. It is great. We may have small victories for the moment in those moments of self-discipline, And sometimes I find that they fill me with pride because I feel like I did it. I conquered it. Yes. But how about we discipline ourselves to engage the Holy Spirit of God who brings life? We want to have victory over sin. We need to walk by the Spirit. So, how about we discipline ourselves to actually sit in the presence of God, to commune with His Spirit? To spend time in prayer, to spend time in worship, to spend time meditating on his word, to wait on him in his presence. There's nothing sweeter than the presence of God. The spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. Verse 63 again, the last half there, it says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Spirit is life, and Christ's words are spirit and life. As I said, we've seen some themes in this text over the last couple of weeks, some of the things that Christ has been revealing uh, through the Gospel of John. And what we're going to see here moving forward is that Jesus is going to talk a lot about his word. He's going to start talking a lot about his words and how his words need to abide in us. And if my word abides in you, right, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. These words of Christ are spirit and life. If we want to have life, we need to be born of the spirit. If we want to have victory over sin, we need to not just simply try harder, but we need to discipline ourselves to be in the spirit and thus be in his word. In general, I don't know how good we are at this. In general, I, I don't know how good we are at just being in his presence and opening our hearts and our lives to the work of the Spirit on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I grab it. I have to do something. <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta do more. I got to, you know, systematically kind of work this way through this life and of just letting the Spirit of God work in me. It's a relationship with a person. Do you understand that? Like, we we lose that sometimes because it becomes about this list of things I need to do. But really, it's a relationship with a person. I had a pastor one time who could say, like, that's awesome. Like, your devotional time is great. And you read your three chapters and you checked off your your box and you spent your half hour, your hour in prayer that day and you checked off your box. He says, but none of that matters unless you grew in your love for Jesus. You grew in your love for people. Spend time in his presence because the spirit is the one who gives life. My flesh is no help at all. Verse 63 of our text again, it says, The spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. That the Father would awaken our hearts by the Spirit of God to actually crave him. Because in my flesh, it's no help at all. I would never crave Jesus or his Spirit's work in my life. Thank you, God, for awakening our hearts. Verse 66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a declaration by Peter. He nails it. A plus, Peter, you got it. You understand. You've got understanding by the Spirit of God. And I hope that we've come to the same conclusion. The crowd leaves. These followers who were not truly followers, they had their bellies full, he met what they thought was their deepest need, and now he's talking about the bread of life and that we have to eat of his flesh and drink his blood, and they're out of there. They're out of there. His words are hard. They're harsh. They push against our flesh, but Peter nails it. Peter nails it. He says, where would we go You have the words to eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you truly are the Holy One of God. You see, in this life, there's a lot of things that are claiming to be the way of life. The things that we come across in our daily experiences, a lot of them are promising us life, the good life. Even something like religion masks itself promising life law-keeping, self-righteousness. We're like a three-year-old many times. I can do it myself. Anybody have a three-year-old like that in your life sometimes? I can do it myself, but we can't. That's the whole point of the gospel. We couldn't do it ourselves. Jesus, the righteous one, the holy one, gave himself as our righteousness, as our atonement. We put our believing and our faith in him. Counted to us as our righteousness, our covering. There's a lot of things in this life claiming to be the way to life success and wealth and status, health, self discipline, politics, social justice. But do not be fooled. Spirit is life. The words of Jesus are life. Our flesh is no help at all. So today as the band comes and we respond to his word, it is my hope and prayer once again, and it's often my hope and prayer that we wouldn't just be hearers today, but we would also be doers, that we would truly walk by the Spirit of God, that we'd be obedient to the words of Christ, those words that are spirit and life to our souls, that we would be marked that we'd be marked by obedience, beautiful, pursuant obedience to the Word of God. This week, I want to challenge you. As you go from this place, I want you to discipline yourselves, not to just do another thing, but I want you to discipline yourselves, and I want you to be really intentional this week engaging the Spirit of God daily. Spend time in the Word of God, but spend time in His presence. Carve out some time in your day just to sit and pray and to meditate and not have this big, long list, but to also just sit and listen to Him. Listen to the Spirit speak to you. That's the beautiful thing. Don't forget that you're talking to a person. Don't forget that the Spirit of God is alive in your life, and just as He's given you the new birth, He also wants to sustain you in your daily walk with him. Yes, open the scriptures. Yes, read his word, but sit and be in his presence. Allow the spirit of God to illuminate things from the scriptures, to illuminate things in your lives, things maybe you need to repent of, turn from. Let's boldly and beautifully be obedient to his words. I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing together. If you need prayer today, there'll be some folks from our prayer team in this back corner. We'd love to pray with you, but let's continue to respond to the Spirit of God this morning. And again, if you haven't been water baptized, if you haven't been baptized in water, please sign up at the back of the room and let's walk into those waters next week together and make that beautiful declaration before our God and before the church. Jesus, thank you. We praise you. glorified in us god help us to see how worthless the flesh is that it is of no help that your spirit your words are life so god help us to be fully obedient to you not cherry picking not just picking the parts that are convenient not just going up to a certain point where your words get too harsh for us it's too hard for us to follow too difficult for us to fully submit to you god Help us today by your Spirit be fully obedient to your word, fully obedient to you, that we might be your church beautifully, vibrantly to the glory of Jesus. Help us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing together, continue to respond to the Spirit of God.